This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 1, Leadership and Diplomacy. Music by Ben Prunty. Featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. So, Twilight Imperium 4. Twilight Imperium 4. It's been announced. It's going to come out. We get to look at all the stuff that's inside of it. It's sort of already out. It's sort of already out in, in terms of everything we know and every people have it. But uh, we're going to kind of break down, mostly try to break down all the things that are new about it, but also just talk about some of our things we're excited about Twilight Imperium in general. Um, and we're going to do it uh, in a series of episodes here where we're going to talk about uh, the different strategy cards and the races that link up with those strategy cards. So, this isn't going to be, I think, a super great discussion for if you have never played Twilight Imperium. Although it might be, if you're just good at kind of picking up what we're talking about, it might be the thing that really makes you want to play this game that we're not really, like that we're going to sort of overview, but not entirely. Yeah, we will not teach you how to play this game, but hopefully you'll be able to pick up on uh the basic fundamentals and at least what makes it exciting to play yeah Uh, because we're and and to be clear too we're talking about a game that we haven't played yet we've played the third edition of this game that will be releasing uh the the new fourth edition or that has sort of already released it but yeah we we can't play it yet yeah we we've got a lot of experience with third edition so let's dive in uh let's let's talk about uh right off the bat just, uh, I guess really let's cover the game goes uh, in a series of rounds, and the very first round you ever do in a game is you pick strategy cards, and strategy cards are different powers you're going to have throughout the game, uh, and we're just going to cover all of these strategy cards. So the first one is leadership, and leadership has an incredibly basic ability, and it's almost exactly like the old version, uh, except for it is more expensive to get command tokens. So when talking about uh, comparisons to 3rd edition and 4th edition, command tokens, the basic utility of movement, is going to be slower. And Twilight Imperium 3rd edition is not known for very fast movement. So we're talking about... You feel like it seems slower? Oh yeah. There's only one way to get it. So here, okay, let's, let's jump into the immediate thing. Bonus counters don't exist anymore. Bonus counters were one of the big ways people got command counters because it was at least something attached to something else. Those are gone. You can only get trade goods now. Mm -hmm. The second thing is uh, leadership gets you the same three command tokens, but now it costs three influence instead of two influence to gain additional ones. So already you're having to tap more planets just to get the extra ones, and the secondary is the same way. Well, is there more... How much... I guess my question is, uh, with the new planets, how are they more influence-rich, perhaps? All the same. All there the are, same? There are two planets with changes, and they are negligible. Um, so so this is definitely... Okay, so then... Okay, so you've done your homework there. There yeah, it is, is going to be less command tokens available. Yeah, maybe... You know, I can't, I can't say a percentage, but not like a... It's not going to be like half as many, but it will be a slightly slower game, which means... 
races that maybe relied on having a decent amount of command tokens are just barely worse mm-hmm. if their abilities haven't accounted for that. Um, but leadership gets you those points. Um, that's how you get around the board. The board is, of course, as most people know, a series of hexagons that changes every single game. Uh, you use your command counters to move across the board. And in Twilight Imperium 4, movement across the entirety of the game space seems to be much more important than it did in 3rd edition. 3rd edition had two phases. First was, before you had any expansions, there was almost no reason for anyone not to just sit in their pie slice and chill. Mm-hmm. And occasionally reach out to Mechatol Rex if you really thought you needed to go get your secret objective. But most people could just cold war it out like nobody's business. But based on many of the new mechanics and many of the new secret objectives, we'll go over that later, uh, there's a lot more reason to get out and get on the map. Which means there being less command counters at your disposal probably implies that's going to be difficult but still necessary to do. So you're going to be spending a lot of your command counters per turn because you've got to get yourself out next to your neighbors. So there's a lot to do unless, like, maybe maybe when we're talking about it in this way, what we're basically saying is uh, that you're going to be making a lot tougher choices in yeah. TI4 versus in TI3, even Absolutely. with just, like, expanding, yeah. basically. Yeah, everything, everything is going to have a cost... Versus in Twilight Imperium 3, it seemed like a lot of things were pretty automatic. Just like, yep, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I will definitely have the resources to do that. No big deal. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, it'll it'll be trickier to to figure those things out. Um, Another core concept to Twilight Imperium is not only just the board, but having player mats and your own individual player space and the organization of your player space. Uh, The command tokens are a huge part of that. You have three pools. I love to go on a quick little sidebar... The new way they've just, in the terms of the game, organized the player match. So the biggest idea is they've renamed some things for clarity. Instead of a command pool and a strategy pool, you have a tactic pool, a fleet supply, and a strategy pool. And those names coincide with the actions those tokens would be used to take. Whereas before, there was a lot of ambiguity, and it was very difficult to teach new players how to, like, attach on to all, all this terminology. Now it's, I'm going to take a tactical action? Well, I better use a tactic command token. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a strategic action? I better use a strategy command token. Right. Very simple. Very easy to understand. I think it's one of the many ways 4th edition has just cleaned up the mess it also has edition. a lot, it, it seems to have a lot better um, quick reference guide there on the side. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's and and it's saved space on the rest of the racial racial sheets which are much more interesting with having all the uh, units laid out on them um, mm-hmm. with the ability to upgrade them which makes combat go much faster before you basically had to have an app on your phone that kept track of everyone's bonuses oh, that's true, yeah. and now don't have to have that everyone's got exactly what they're units are rolling on um, with with no mental adjustment necessary um, Super easy readouts. You only need that. There's no wasted space because all the information about whether or not um, a a race's starting units those are on the back of the sheet. So you reference it once, get your mm-hmm. units out, flip it over. You're done with that. It's just a lot cleaner. Everything is cleaner nowadays. Yeah, um, you should definitely look look some of these up um, if you're listening to us talk about it right now. The the new race race sheets are uh, great. They're wonderful. So. Let's 
start talking about we're just going to jump into some some race discussion because um understanding movement on the board i think there's a couple races we have to talk about um that that use the ability of movement or use the idea of command counters more than a lot of other races and it's Mm -hmm. also kind of just when talking about the basics of this game there are some races that operate on primarily the basics and you don't have to understand more intricate concepts to understand kind of the fundamentals of what that race is trying to accomplish. Uh, the first one, and kind of fittingly, is the Federation of Soul, which are the humans of this game. Mm. And their their abilities are incredibly simple, and compared to 3rd um, edition, not a lot has changed for them. So it's kind of the easiest to dive in and start to, start to look things up about. So real quick, let's just go over everything that is Federation of Soul. They've got two abilities. One is an action to spend a token from your strategy pool to place two infantry from your reinforcements on one planet you control. Pretty similar to what they had in 3rd edition. Yeah. Um, And then they can also, when you gain command tokens during the status phase, you gain an additional command token. Also the same. Um, They have slightly better ground forces. Most ground forces um, have a combat of 8, which is the dice roll they need to roll. Uh, to get a hit, these guys have a seven. Uh, instead, did they have that in third edition? Did they um, have I don't remember. I think they started with a tech that gave, that them, gave that. them that. Yeah, and so now it's just ingrained into their abilities, and they can now upgrade. There's a racial tech that lets them get uh, a better ability. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got their flagship. At the end of the status phase, place one infantry from your reinforcements. Um, in this system's space area. So put this in your in your capacity. It's got a capacity of 12, which is huge. Uh, this is just a big old party bus. And I think the big thing to note with Federations of Soul, their strategy just really hasn't changed, which is get a bunch of dudes on the map and don't lose your planets. Mm-hmm. And I think in Twilight Imperium, 4th edition, that's going to be heavily rewarded uh, because all of the objectives in 4th edition are very sit back you need to get out on the map because of a lot of reasons but you don't necessarily have to go out and start massive wars with your opponents yeah you want to expand buddy up next to people and keep control of what you have and federation of soul is probably best equipped to keep control of their planets out of any other race they have arguably the most defensive planets of any race what do you mean by that? Just the fact that they're constantly dropping ground forces onto their planets means to be able to oh, take right, a planet, just... it's going to take so much to chew through those ground forces. Mm. And most races see a stack of five dudes on every planet and go, yeah, I'm just not yeah, even, not no, I'm it. not going to bother. Why, why try? Um, and so even by that nature, you, it just means you have less people attacking you in general because you just your board space looks scarier mm-hmm. than everyone else's. It's just not worth the investment for other players to come in and mess with you. Two racial techs, like we said, they've got one that improves their ground forces to a combat of six and also gives them the ability to, uh, when they die, die, you roll a die, see if they survive, basically, and go back to their home system. And then you can get um, the incredibly good advanced carrier two, which gives you sustained damage on your carriers... A capacity of eight compared to the normal four, uh, and a movement of two without having to get XRD transporters, which is their carrier already starts with a capacity of six, though. Already, yeah, starts with a six, so it's improving it by two, which is 
the normal carriers start at four and upgrade to six. So you're still just being better than everyone. And having all these ships with huge capacity also lends you to having a really great fighter force, which if it's anything like Twilight Imperium 3, fighters are still going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hunter, how do you feel about Federationist Soul? How did you? How did ne- you I feel never, about them, and how do you feel about them? I now? never liked playing them before um, in uh, TI three, and uh, I don't think that I'll be looking forward to playing them in TI four. Yeah, uh, they're they have the same themes that they had before. Uh, all just like kind of emphasized, which I kind of think is like sort of the key with like every race. None of the races are like really different. They're all. Uh, just leaning into the same themes that they had in TI3, mm-hmm. I feel like. Uh, but yeah, I just don't really, I don't really care about uh, Federation Assault. Yeah, I, I don't know. It might just be like an aesthetic thing, just because like they're the, they're the humans. normal humans. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I also like the idea of like, oh, you, cool, you can have like a lot of ground units. It doesn't feel like super. It doesn't feel like uh, like that's really gonna win you the game. I've won games where like I didn't have anything left, and I won. Like I yeah. had like no no planets left, and like was barely hanging on yeah. to my home world, and I won the game. Yeah, I think in the hands of a mediocre player, Federation of Soul gets you nowhere because the tendency to want to sit back and not reach out for objectives is too strong. It's kind of like a turtle race, really. Yeah. If if you if you play them. You can play them that way. You could also, I mean, I guess I could see you playing Soul and being like really, really aggressive, um, and like, because the thing about Soul would be like if you did decide to strike into somebody and like actually like, like if you struck into someone's pie slice, let's say with like a big fleet, um, and you kept leaving like a bunch of dudes on the on their pie slice. Even if they destroyed your fleet, it would they would never get those planets back yeah. ever. Yeah. They probably never would make, like because just by virtue of the fact that you successfully cut into their pie slice, they're probably not going to have enough time left in the game to like recover, right? And then also get all those guys off those planets. So yeah. I guess that's like kind of the best thing about them. I feel like yeah, um, yeah. And I think the only other thing to note is in terms of scoring objectives. Um, really, in in base with the base game objectives, it's not too bad because I would say the objectives certainly um, prioritize establishing a decent base. There are really six turtly public objectives well, within each stage. So really, there's twelve turtly public objectives, and there are only eight that require you to like really get into other people's faces from the standpoint of depending on how the the objectives lay out you know if it's just a bunch of keep spending stuff well if you can just keep putting dudes on planets and you don't have to amass a huge fleet you can keep your planets keep your resources and be able to just each round tack those off yeah so they'll be federation assault is one where they will score points Mm -hmm. consistently and so you have to find a way to deal with them um and that usually requires teamwork because one player is typically not going to be able to just completely wipe out Federation Assault. I don't know if I've ever seen them win. I don't think yeah. we. Ha- I don't think we play with a group of people that are Let really into away. their race yeah. that much. Um, but I know I'm. I'm pretty sure I've never seen Federation Assault win a game. Not to say that they're that bad. I'm not trying to completely trash this race right out of the gate. Um, 
I just don't think that they have... I think there's probably people out there that are really good at playing them. I just don't think we've played with those people. Yeah. Basically. So, let's change gears a lot to talk about another race. Almost the opposite, I would say, of Federation of Soul. Federation of Soul is the basics of TI. Mm -hmm. And the ghosts of Creus are everything but. Yeah. Uh, They are more than any other race, um, basically reliant on a specific mechanic and arguably depending on the layout of the map their whole game can change there's the very situational the most situational they're one of my least favorites maybe so yeah one of my least favorite races let's talk about their abilities uh also almost unchanged um with an addition that definitely helps them but Uh, The basic mechanic is that you treat all systems that contain either an alpha or beta wormhole as adjacent to each other. Um, And this is unchanged. Uh, The the one advantage, I would say, is by the time Ghosts of Creus hit the stage in 3rd edition, there were way more system tiles. And we had to adapt our um, board making to make sure we always had wormholes. We forced them into the game because... In late game TI three, you you could very feasibly create a map with no wormholes unless you made a point to and include then if, them. If you did do that, then what would be the point of Ghost of Creators? Yeah. They would literally have no no advantage, no advantage whatsoever. But the advantage to treat alphas and beta alpha and beta wormholes, I would say, can be strong. But controlling wormholes in general is a pretty fickle business. Yeah, in Twilight Imperium, and so. Just because you're able to do that doesn't mean you're going to see a lot of advantages from that power. It's very situational. You, you can definitely pop up and take advantage of people who left a wormhole undefended, but as soon as a ghost player is in the game, everyone starts defending their wormholes more. Right, right. So you're already getting stopped. Um, but another the, the added ability is during your tactical actions, apply plus one to the move value of each of your ships that starts its movement in your home system or in a system that contains either an alpha or beta wormhole. So they basically have old gravity drive as a racial ability. And plus one movement is a, definitely a big deal in Twilight Imperium 4. No race starts with XRD transporters. Yeah. No race starts with two movement with their carriers. So the ability of Ghost of Creus to get out of those wormholes and get into new territory quickly is way better than any other race on the board. I will say this, though. Um, so they get that, that plus one from their their home system. Um, but... But their home system is one away. Yeah. So... It doesn't put them any further on so the board. So on the first round, that plus one isn't really helpful whatsoever. Right. And then unless they have an alpha or beta near their home system... They're not going to see any... They're not going to see that plus one again for a minute. So again, board placement is just so incredibly important. And if you play the way we do, no one knows the races of who's playing when you build the board. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that can work in your favor, sometimes it can't. I would highly advise people, if you're playing with Ghost of Creus, to play that way. Because if people know the Ghost of Creus are in a game and they know where the Ghost of Creus are sitting you're not going to play Twilight Imperium. Right. Um, it, you're going to sit and have no fun with a race that has light. no abilities. Um, but their final ability, which Hunter started to allude to, is just that the fact that they have a home system that is off the map and is linked to by a third type of wormhole. Um, I've always wondered if that's really much of a 
benefit. I don't think it's interesting at all whatsoever. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that's exciting for flavor. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of surprised that they even kept it because it just, it's literally just like, wow, their racial ability is that there's an extra empty space in yeah. between their and system the and the board. It, right. I mean, I now, guess... Now, defensively, that helps because it means they're further away from other people coming to them, but as far as as far as early game expansion, it always makes things tricky um, to be that far removed mm -hmm. from everything else. I think uh, the... So, people taking each other's home systems, that's like a big play. And, like, it mm -hmm. doesn't happen Almost so ever. much to where that is a huge... Like, I just feel like if I was in a game with Ghost of Krius, um, I probably would never take their home system. I will say that. Yeah. I think that that is that's probably true could just because of that hassle i'd probably be like no i'm not gonna bother but that's just not that big of an advantage to me yeah. it's like it, it just like some if somebody's home system gets taken uh that's not necessarily the end of the game um so it's like not a huge enough deal i feel like a lot of people survive things like that yeah. you know here's know. here's what i think about ghost of Kratos. At the beginning of the game, I don't think they're very good. But the way they are framed up, and th this is probably a downside but can become an upside, is their racial tech and their flagship make their abilities way, way, way better. Like, I would say, in terms of the amount of growth they see from their racial techs, they have the best in the game. They don't necessarily have the biggest impact but for themselves, they have some of the best tech. And let's go over them real quick. One is, at the start of space combat, in a system that contains a wormhole, and one or more of your ships, you may produce one hit and assign it to one of your opponent's ships. So you get a free hit at the beginning of that combat. That you get to assign. That you get to assign. Um, that's amazing, except for the caveat. Again, no situational, It's you've got to be in a wormhole. So these, this is a race that is required to only sit here and... and be a mole that pops up and down out of all these wormhole systems. And I just always wonder, how does that actually equate to you getting victory points? Yeah. You get to be really annoying to every other player on the game, but do you get any points out of it? I would say even less so than we just got talk done talking about soul. And I kind of said something that was like kind of saying the same thing about them, but I, I would say soul ha to me, it's more obvious how soul's abilities will help them get, Mm -hmm. points than uh goes to Kratos. i don't i don't really see how this equals definitely yeah. gonna get some free points on the board except for like i don't know i guess like Kratos can get in certain situations could maybe get to planets that that no one else and that not necessarily that no one else could but but could have the the amount of planets that they could possibly get to is going to be wider, yeah. perhaps, if you have a alpha or beta wormhole near right. your system, which is, like, essential. Yeah. Like, basically, if you're playing a Ghost of Kratos game and there's not an alpha or beta, preferably both... No, not even preferably both. It, that doesn't matter. No, it's Well, it doesn't have to be both, because well, you can go you can through either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it just... If you don't have a wormhole in your pie slice, quit. Or just don't even. Or here's the other thing, and this is this is a, a problem, but 
The other racial tech is at the start of the status phase. Place or move a Krius wormhole token into either a system that contains a planet you control or a non-home system that does not contain another player's ships. So they can put wormholes on the board, but it's too tech deep for them. Mm-hmm. And it requires them to get that tech and wait till a status phase. So it's going to be like end of second round or end of third round before that becomes a relevant factor. And it's powerful. It's a very, very good ability that helps them make use of their power. Mm-hmm. But it may just be too little too late as far yeah. as them having a board presence. Um, but the last do thing... You think do you think they're better or worse than they were in TI3 from everything that you're reading? I would say they are better. Not by a whole huge margin, but the plus one is a big deal. Yeah. And the state of the board being that more players want to get everywhere... We'll go over this more later. We're going to talk about the Ghost of Krius again when mm-hmm. we talk about trade. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that right now. But their yeah. ability to influence trade, might be provided that the yeah. board helps them with this, will be huge. Yeah. On a good board, their ability to play a part in trade is, is a big, big deal. Yeah. Um, the only other thing to go over is their flagship, which is very cool. Again, another thing where I just wonder how effective it is. But there are... Um, flagship basically operates as another delta wormhole that links straight to their home system which means at any point they can be two spaces away from wherever they want yeah so i think the thing with ghost of Krius is you have to be smart when you play with them i think I, honestly i think there are some, there's some races where i feel like their flagship and their racial tech at least in ti4 yeah. i didn't feel this way in ti3 but with a lot of the stuff we're reading there a lot of these races it kind of smells like their racial tech and their flagship might be more essential than before yeah and i think we'll talk more about this when we talk about ghost of Krius again yeah so let's move on to another um favorite race a good race a this good is the first race good race this is the first really about. good race and this is the nalu collective and uh the big thing to note with them is the strength of the Nalu is understanding how initiative order works and the reason their ability to turn um, any strategy card they have into the zero strategy card means they get to go first and it also means they get to claim objectives first. And that's, I would say, where the real strength of the Nalu Collective comes in is at the end of the game when push comes to shove and everyone's trying to claim those last points, Nalu will always claim the objectives first and I've seen multiple games where that's what gave them the victory. Yeah. Just because the sheer fact that they got to claim the objective Order first. is important. Order is important. And even within an action phase, order is important because their ability to strike first can make or break a pivotal strategic moment. There are so many times when you start a round and everyone knows this is the round that everyone's going to start attacking each other and Nalu get to fire the first that's shot. That's true. It is a little, It can be a double... Uh, <laughs> really? Am I going to say a double-edged sword? Um, yeah. Uh, it, it can be weird because, I, I don't know, as, as cool as it is to go first every time, uh, sometimes you do need to delay. Yeah. And if you're Nalu, that could be like, <laughs> that could be really hard. Yeah. Uh, just because you don't get to wait at all. You don't get to, get to see what anybody else is doing. Yeah. I've played as a Nalu before and started to like kind of hate that I had to go first every time. Yeah. It is cool, though. You, you're never going to have to worry about, like, 
There's just some things you're never going to have to think about, but then there's other problems that you might run into. Yeah. I do love them, though, so yeah. much. Uh, their other ability um, is was better in Twilight Imperium 3 because of how really, really crappy the rules to retreating were. Mm. And now retreating makes more sense and works. So I think the ability is still good, and they, they actually improved it from the previous version to kind of make up for that. But it's still... Um, I would say is a good ability, but not necessarily a great ability. How does retreating work now? I actually don't know. So, just like in Twilight Imperium 3, when you want to retreat, the, the combat phase is announce retreats withdrawals, roll dice, remove casualties, and then do the retreat. So you always mm -hmm. have to do at least one phase of combat. Mm -hmm. The way it used to work is the only way you can retreat is if you had a previously already activated system nearby. Oh, yeah. And that never, ever, 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 ever was the case. Mm -hmm. um, in the expansions, they added the ability to basically do a strategic thing where you can pull a strategy point and activate the system yeah. next to you. So now the way retreating works is it doesn't cost a strategy point. All you have to do is pull them from your reinforcements. Um, you can move anything in that system, which includes the ground forces on the planet that wouldn't have otherwise been included. Wow. So if you want to retreat, you can basically have your dudes jump on your carriers, back up to a system that you haven't activated. You now activate it, but it doesn't cost you one of your command counters from your sheet. Mm -hmm. So it's just a way better system mm -hmm. that the only purpose of using the command counter is to then lock those units down so they can't turn around and retaliate immediately. Right. Um, so the, the power of the Nalu's ability is to be able to retreat before the fight even takes place, which means mm -hmm. they're just not going to lose pointless ships. Um, they get to choose all their battles. Basically. They get to choose all their battles. If they have the strategy for it, because they have to take something out of their exactly. strategy pool. And, need to, and that's need not to do. always the case. So And it kind of ties into our, where we started this discussion with that it seems like there will be less command yeah. tokens in play. So, so this ability actually might not be as great. Right. As it used to be. Before, it was a necessary um, modification to the bad rules. And now that the rules are good and there are less command counters, I don't think you'll see this happen as often. Yeah. The only time you will see it is when there's a huge force about to take on a huge Nalu force. And the Nalu typically does not want to see that happen. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're playing smart, you will make sure the Nalu don't have any strategy points before you launch a right. huge attack like right. that. that that'll with, be the thing. with any race in Twilight Imperium, if you know, like you have all the information you need except for action cards, so you can always outplay against that. Mm -hmm. um, so the only other thing with Nalu is their fighters are slightly better. They have an increased combat value from the basic fighters. Um, they have a flagship. During an invasion in the system, you may contribute fighters to planets as if they were ground forces. That's a huge deal, but again, it's only where the flagship is. So it's one of those flagships that I think is fun, but you always have so many other things you need to be buying that I just don't know that it makes the yeah, cut on like necessary. If you're, it's one of those like win more things where right. if you're already ahead and you've got a great thing going, you can buy your flagship and, and do even be more. Even scarier. But when you're in a tough situation. Very rarely is that flagship gonna. Save it shouldn't you. be your first priority. Yeah. If somebody was like, "I'm going straight for the the Nalu flagship," I'd be like, "Ah, oh, maybe you should improve those fighters first, yeah. though." Yeah, exactly. Speaking of improving the fighters, their tech 
is exactly that. It gives their fighters an independent move. It is advanced fighters, but slightly better for them because it improves the combat value up to 7. Their fighters only contribute to half of a fleet supply per fighter compared to the normal advanced fighters of each fighter costs a fleet supply. Right. So you're going to be able to just swarm people with fighters. The fighters are moving independently on movement of two. I mean, there's just no reason for Nalu to not go fighter crazy. Yeah. And to just like, I'd imagine, I feel like the way I would play Nalu at this point is um, because of your retreat ability, I would just try and get out a a lot of little fighter fleets. Like Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily dangerous. It's just, I want, I, I would maybe have one fleet, one real fleet, and then a couple fighter fleets yeah and these fighter fleets would really just be to clean up and to make sure that no one feels like they can uh sneak up on you without having to deal with at least a fighter fleet yeah and to that same end it's their their other tech is very expensive to get to but helps in that endeavor after another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships that player removes a token from his fleet pool and returns it to his reinforcements so if you have all these little fighter squadrons running around blocking up airspace Mm -hmm. people are going to have to try to fight through you and it's going to make them have to remove really really crucial fleet supply to their fleets honestly i think that the first time i play nalu if i have the money to do it i think i'm probably going to just have fighters on almost every uh hex that i control yeah just get out all over the map they're so cheap they cost nothing yeah and they if they don't need to be carrier supported then yeah i mean like you can just have little squadrons of like six fighters on every hex and that's and that strategy is going to get you a lot of money through trade we'll talk about that more later but the advantages in twilight imperium 4 to being all over the map are way better yeah. than they were in Twilight Imperium 3. So the races that are able to do that are way better. I and think, Nalu is one of those. I think Nalu might even... Nalu was a good race in TI3. I, I would hesitate to put them in the top five, but they would either just barely make it or just barely miss it. Right. Like, to me, they're, they're top ten easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're debatably top five. And I feel like with the way TI4 is structured now, it feels like may, they might be even better. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to see. It's well, really early, but... I could see there being incredibly effective Nalu strategies yeah. that put them as easy, like in the top three yeah. if you execute the strategies correctly. It Depends definitely seems easy. like it's like with everybody they're just leaning into like what works with the race, yeah. and uh, it feels to me like uh, it's not so much that they made them better. Like all of these things are basically just similar to what they had in TI three, just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like the overall basic gameplay of TI four has morphed around them, yes. which has happened to a couple races actually. But yeah, to kind of move this. We've mainly talked so far about just movement on the map and command tokens and how mm-hmm. important those are. Uh, let's talk about another strategy card, which yeah. we haven't gotten into. Uh, one of the um, weirdest strategy cards in 3rd edition, mm-hmm. and even when they updated it in expansion, still always had this weird issue of it's like they could never quite figure out what they wanted to do with diplomacy yeah. and what diplomacy was meant to be about. And I think in this one, it makes a lot of thematic sense. And one of the primary races that responds to diplomacy 
is a lot better for it as well. So diplomacy is choose one system other than Mechatol Rex that contains a planet you control. Each of the player places a command token from his reinforcements in that chosen system. That's what the previous ability was. Yeah, it's it's very same. good. Uh, just lockdown. No one gets mm-hmm. to touch this system this mm-hmm. round. No one gets to do anything about it. But they made it a little bit better because you get to ready every exhausted planet that you control in that system. I would say that's better, but also it makes you have to have a really interesting decision that you didn't used to have to have with diplomacy. Diplomacy used to be you play it turn one mm-hmm. because that's before anyone else can attack you and you're good to go. But now you have this weird option to wait until you spend some money from those planets so that then you can play diplomacy and get those planets back, make a little bit of extra money. See, I don't know if I see people actually taking up that part of the card, though. I think there's a chance that it, like if people are using it for what for actually locking a system down, I feel like it's like one or the other. Yeah. I don't think that anybody's yeah. going to be like, oh, I think mm-hmm. I might need to lock this system down. Oh, but I should think about whether I want to exhaust or not. I think basically the way it's going to work is early game, people are going to be locking down nonsensical systems yep. just to ready their exhausted planets and get those extra, extra stuff. Extra stuff. Yeah. And then late game, it will take the basically the same way that it worked in Before. TI3, yeah. which was it's like a very specific strategy yeah. card that only gets used sometimes. Because yeah. the way they fixed it in the expansions for TI3 is they added the peaceful annexation ability to mm-hmm. it. So that was how it gave you a reason to use it early game. Because that's always been the problem with diplomacy is why would you use it early game? Right. And they, they gave it that excuse by making it really good for expansion. And I agree that this is another good use of that either or. Right mm-hmm. now, I don't have a reason to lock people down, but I do want to get more money to get myself expanded. See, and quickly. I actually misunderstood when we read it through the first time. I didn't see that it said then ready each exhausted planet in this that in you that control system. in that system. So to me, that's actually much less impressive because then yeah. you have to pick a specific hex, lock it down, and be like, okay, I just get to refresh those two planets. Right. Which is great if you have like a really... If you've got like, you know, a juicy... Yeah, juicy hex. That that's pretty good. That's not like game changing. Game changing, or no. even like so good that I'm like, yeah, man. Th- th- what really helped that guy was that he picked diplomacy yeah. early game. You know, definitely. I think one of the themes with TI4 is going to be, and we'll go over this when we've kind of gone over all the strategy cards. But I would say there are like three or four must pick every round mm-hmm. strategy cards. And then four situational ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily see that as a problem, though, because the ones that are must-pick are the crux of the game. Yeah. And that's why they're must-pick, is because the entire game revolves around the systems that those... I am about. a little and afraid diplomacy... that it's going to feel like we're all squabbling over those three. Yeah. And then, and then the people that actually get those three, I hope that their advantage for having those three isn't so great yeah. that it just comes down to like I didn't get yeah you know tech I, round one. I think it's going to be more that the reason they are picked every round is if tech isn't picked by the last until the last player is going, that last player is going to go. No one else picked tech. I have to pick tech then, right. even if I didn't specifically want it. Someone's got to pick tech this round, right? Or someone's got to pick trade this round, right? Um. Diplomacy, though, is not one of those. Mm-hmm. Diplomacy, you will see many rounds where it doesn't get picked. Uh, the secondary is just for everyone else to un- um, 
ready up to two exhausted planets, it's honestly better than the primary, if that's what you're doing the primary for, to unexhaust planet, or to exhaust. Yeah. Yeah, to, to ready planets, everyone else gets to choose their own random Yeah, they can just choose, choose the two juiciest planets they have. Yeah, the secondary is better. Yeah. But, moving on from that is the race that is politics incarnate. I'm excited. I really am excited. For, the, for the, the Zacha Kingdom. Space is, Turtles. Is that a... Is that... How do we, you actually pronounce that? I've heard people say Zacha. I've heard Zacha. people say... I forget. There's, a, there's multiples. I've always say Zacha. Or I say... <laughs> <laughs> That's close. Um... So, they've modified the turtles in, I would say, some of the best ways. In TI3, I would argue turtles are the worst race, hands down. Their ability allows them to They're pretty bad. only turtle. It doesn't get them any objectives. There's just nothing they can do. They have fun. You definitely get to do cool stuff. You do get to do cool stuff. But you never, stuff. ever, ever win games. I, I want to say that when the first night we sat down to play twilight imperium i played as the turtles and i thought they just seemed so interesting to me Mm -hmm. and the more i played the game the more i was like this is a horrible race this race is really bad this isn't fun yeah um but i think and they're and they were a base race they were one of the like um they were they were included in base ti3 uh and i think they're making a they're making a concentrated effort to make the turtles a good race um so their normal ability uh when an agenda is revealed you may spend one token from your strategy pool to discard that agenda and reveal one agenda from the top of the deck players vote on this agenda instead this ability used to be okay but it was more just fun to mess with the agenda process right but then there were a lot of games that you would play of ti where it wasn't a very political game two agendas would get played and then sometimes it would be really stupid sometimes i remember uh, the turtles would basically be like all right well i'm going to pick politics so that or yeah i'm gonna pick political just so um i can use my ability maybe and it just seemed like dude this is dumb like but now politics i mean i guess we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit we'll talk we'll we'll come back to the zachana to talk more about politics but just know the ability to quash agendas is better yeah for it's more important because it happens it will be happening a lot more and people won't it used to be politics was it was stupid because Politics was always something that was maybe only maybe going to help you, and it might hurt you quite a bit. Yeah. So I just didn't understand why anyone was expected to like actually go for politics. Right. And now, finally, it's, it's the thing. way it should be, which is that you can't avoid it. Yeah. It's that you. It shouldn't be political. The political aspect of the game shouldn't be something that you can decide to do it yeah. whether you want to or not. You should have to deal with it. Yeah. But we'll talk more about that later. The other ability that they have, though, is what the previous ability of diplomacy was, and it's most of the power of expansion diplomacy, and it's after you resolve the diplomacy strategy card, you get to gain control of a planet other than Mechatol Rex that does not contain any units in it and is adjacent to a planet you control. It's the peaceful annexation. Now it's called Peace Accords, but that is hugely powerful. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Zacha is one I want to talk about in multiple uh, episodes when we talk about trade, we're gonna have to come back to Zacha. When we talk about politics, we're gonna have to come back to Zacha. But the way you can play as the turtles now is not just sit in your tiny little pie slice. They are way more 
They have way more ability to get out there. They have way more ability to get their economy going very strong early game. Mm. And um, they just seem to work as a political race more than they used to. Before, it was just like they get to they get to mess with political stuff. But now they feel like a political giant. Um, well, and the only thing that makes me sad about it, actually, is that... Um, I wish they didn't have to spend anything. Yeah, I agree. Basically, that they should just be allowed to just stop it. Yeah, I just feel like that should be how it goes. But whatever. Um, their flagship um, goes more in line with their defensive capabilities. You may exhaust this unit's, or you may use this unit's space cannon against ships that are in adjacent systems. So they have basically a base game deep space cannon with their flagship. It's an okay ability. I wouldn't say it's amazing. Their space cannon is a, is very good though with a roll of five, three dice on five. That's great. That's incredibly good. What is their space? What is their upgraded PDS like? Do they get like? Uh, no, it's just normal upgrades. So oh, it's okay. just it's just to extend the range and improve. It would be the nice role. if they got a special, a special PDS because yeah. it seems like that's kind of the general thing. But what they do get is after another player, they get some of the greatest. Uh, strategic. Er, they do get really good. Racial they get some tech. of the best racial tech, and both their racial tech is fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. So I would say their racial tech is a must get. Yeah. Compared to any other like tech, uh, one of them is after another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships, you can exhaust this card and spend one token from your strategy pool immediately end that player's turn. They just don't get to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one, you may exhaust this card and spend one token from your strategy pool when another player plays an action card. Cancel the action card. Good. Not as important to get. But getting the nullification field is a huge deal. But worth Let noting, me ask a question, though. Yeah. Um, so you spend one token from your strategy pool to immediately end that player's turn. Does that mean you don't resolve the combat, or you do resolve the combat? You, um, I think the way it used to work was the combat is resolved. They do not succeed in the combat, because they still leave their command token on the board. Oh, so they so okay. So it's basically like they put the command token down, and then you say your turn's over. Yes. So basically, their turn ended when they put the command pull down. Yes. It'd be like as if their turn was literally just being like, "Hey, I'm going to activate your system," and that's all that's I'm all. going to exactly. do. Exactly. Okay. That is exactly right. Um, and so they have to come up with either some other method to um, remove that command counter, or you successfully completely deflected a probably devastating attack. I think that's awesome because it seems like... The, so th- they are keeping with the theme of... Again, every race, they're they're really just leaning into yeah. all the themes that they had. No race has been, like, really reworked, I would say. Yeah. Um, maybe as we're going through this, I'll feel like... I'll change my mind on that. But, uh, but it just feels like the Turtles' defenses are... Um, beefier than yeah. they were before because it yeah it's not even like before they had like a very like i don't know like i got that the theme was that they needed to be defensive but th- i was never scared of them yeah they had plus one to defense rolls that's what it was yeah and in uh their systems in yeah. The, yeah in their systems and that never that just never seemed like a very big deal because like there are several races that um are just aggressive enough to where that plus one on defense is just not going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. So that was leadership and that was diplomacy. That was a few races. We'll talk about more in future episodes, but that's kind of the basics of, I, I would say what to expect from like board movement and, 
and really just the basics of Twilight Imperium 4. As we get into these next few episodes, we'll start to dig into more complicated mechanics and more uh, metagame discussions that'll be happening. Cool. So, we'll see you next time. Yeah, bye. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thank you to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.